Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Stan Bush. Hi, this is Stephanie Calvert. This is John Payne. This is Jack Hughes. Hi, I'm Carrie Stevens. Hey, everybody. This is Prescott Niles. Hello, I'm Kofi Baker. This is Tony Franklin here. Listening to Play That Rock and Roll. Keep This is not a test. This is Play That Rock and Roll. I'm your host, Joe Kay, and today our guest is Bobby Brown the author of Dirty Rocker Boys. Dirty Rocker Boys details the chaotic experiences that Bobby survived during her time in Hollywood in the 1990s. Back in those days, she worked primarily as a model and actress. And she is perhaps most well known for her appearance in the iconic music video for Cherry Pie by the band Warrant. Part of the reason that video is such a big deal is because Bobby married the lead singer of that band, Janie Lane. They later divorced, and she was then romantically linked to several other high-profile rock stars and celebrities, which she details in the book. She also survived a pretty serious drug addiction during those years, so this book is full of some absolutely wild stories involving Hollywood parties, celebrities, sex, drugs, booze, music, gossip, drama, total debauchery. She's seen it all, and she talks about it all in this book, and she does so in a particularly funny manner. She pulls no punches, not even from herself, so if you're interested in the real-life story of someone who's been a part of the glitz and glamour of Hollywood, but has also seen its seedy underbelly, you'll want to start right here. In the interview you're about to hear, we discuss how she wrote the book, how it was received when she first released it in 2013, and how she has since helped other women in the industry take steps to share their own stories. We then talk about some of her appearances on various TV shows like Married with Children, and she even talks about what it was like hosting an infomercial. Finally, we wrap up with a frank and candid conversation about her recent work as a stand-up comedian. She's only been doing stand-up for a few years now, but if you've read the book, it makes sense, because she has a wicked sense of humor. 
And if you are interested in seeing her perform, she has a few comedy dates coming up. First is on April 29th at the Palm Springs Cultural Center in Palm Springs, California, as part of the Lip Sync for a Cure Benefit Show, which is raising money for the American Cancer Society. Bobby is very passionate about doing charity work, so if this is in your neck of the woods, please consider buying a ticket because it will help raise money for a good cause. Otherwise, you can also see her perform at the Lunchbox Comedy Festival at the Cabin and Courtyard in Gonzales, Louisiana on May 27th. She is performing as part of the Ladies of Lunchbox Showcase, which starts at 3.30. The event is a full day of comedy, so if you like to laugh, be sure to check that out. And if you're interested in learning more about Dirty Rocker Boys, you can find copies of both of her books on Amazon. So with that, here's my interview with the author of Dirty Rocker Boys, Bobby Brown. I want to start on a bit of a somber note, but um, something that I I think is very important is that uh, first I wanted to offer my belated condolences to you about your friend uh, Tawny Katane. And I remember seeing on your YouTube channel that you posted some, you know, great videos with her, some heartfelt conversations. You guys talked about funny stuff, but also some very heavy stuff. And I, you know, I think she was a very special person. I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your friendship with her and what she was like with you. This is so crazy because for so many years, people kept referring to us in the same genre, right? And we had never met. And um, it wasn't until we both got hired to host M3 that we finally met. Like, I read about her in my book. Everybody, you know, had referenced us. We were both, like, you know, video models who ended up marrying the person they do the video with literally decades had passed before we actually met and then uh when we finally did meet we kind of like just hit it off right away and she was so cool and so sweet and so goofy just like oh i mean i feel like i'm an 18 year old boy in a female body you know like she was like cool like that and um i don't know i feel like she was kind of misunderstood a lot or i don't know she was just like she was a grown woman but like had like the heart of a tender young sweet girl does that make sense like she was so sweet yeah oh that's terrific yeah that that seemed to definitely come through in on her youtube channel i I watched a a lot of her videos that she produced and seemed like a very cool person i heard she was writing in the process of writing a book so i i wondered did she ever talk to you about that your experience writing a book yeah oh i i actually helped her with meeting forwarded her some info and um yeah she did she did ask me about that so we talked about that and um I helped her as much as I could with trying to get that established um yeah so I didn't know that if it ever went through or not but yeah I I was always I'm always paying it forward like anybody ever needs my help I'm like yeah of course you know someone that was a guest on this show back in 2021 was Carrie Stevens she came on the show to talk about her book Unrated and I asked her if there were books that she had read that either inspired her to write her own story or sort of influenced her and, you know, gave her guidance on how to tell her story. And, like, right away, she mentioned both of your books. Uh, Bobby Brown is a good friend of mine. She wrote Cherry, um, Cherry on Top. Um, 
and uh, Dirty Rocker Boys. So, um, of course, hers, hers is very different than mine, too, because it's like, you know, she went down more of like, you know, the drug, wild Tommy Lee, you know, like a wilder kind of um, path. And, and hers is great and very entertaining, but um, again, like very different uh, than mine. And she said yeah. that she spoke very highly of them. I, so did she reach out to you at any point? I mean, it sounds like you two were friends. Yeah, um, she did actually. And I tried to help her um, the best I could or how I knew how. And um, yeah, I, I helped her however I could. And I read her book and it was awesome. And I give, you know, I gave her advice and tried to, you know, get her signs here or there. It didn't go that well with um, the meet, the meeting for the book company, but it, Turns out that book company was shady anyway. I never got paid for my second book anyway. So she wasn't oh. miss out. She didn't miss out with uh with not going with them. So yeah. Gotcha. So has that been a recurring experience? Have there been other authors who have read your book and and gotten in touch with you to tell you that, you know, you inspired them or you know, asked for advice? You know, what what is sort of the feedback been from people who want to put their own story to, uh, to a book? Um, I have a lot of people that have asked me how to go about it. And um, I literally didn't know how to go about it until I, I kind of tried and failed. And, um, and then I got to meet uh, a ghostwriter, Caroline, who ended up ghostwriting my book and kind of knew what kind of how to, how to go about it, which you need like um, an 11 page synopsis. And the good part about having a ghostwriter is people are like, oh, you should just write it yourself. The funny thing is, is you don't really know what kind of questions to ask yourself. And you don't know what people want to know about you. Like, it's hard to kind of interview yourself in a way that comes off. Am I saying this right? Like, there are many things that she asked me that I would never would have thought, oh, yeah, people might want to know this or so we kind we kind of played really well off of each other. Like <clears throat> I met two other ones, and she was the one who immediately got my sense of humor, my perspective, my because uh, I wanted the book to seem like um, a conversation I was having with a friend, <clears throat> right? Yeah. And um, you know, an honest conversation that I was having with a friend that it, it seemed like you could pick up the book and be like, you would get my sense of humor or how I may have, you know my personality or <clears throat> so she really got me and uh it's kind of good to have because you don't it's really hard to be uh self-aware <laughs> and so, yeah. you know what i mean in certain situations um uh, so it was kind of good to have her absolutely absolutely yeah. hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. When you were first starting off with Dirty Rocker Boys, were there other books or authors or you know any sort of written works that you know either gave you the idea that you should tell your own story or shaped how you wanted to tell your story well i had um my name had been mentioned and i had been uh, included in like 13 different rock memoirs <clears throat> and i remember researching those and then reading some and going like that's bullshit you know or <laughs> That's not how that happened at all. And I found that a lot of the, the stories that I was reading was very, um, it was, it was like lacking truth. It wasn't, it wasn't honest. It, it kind of like came off like, oh, this is what, you know, we think we should sound like kind of. Um, and I wanted it to be so self-deprecating and so truly honest that um, I, I made it a point to be like, I feel like there needs to be a book written from a female at that time that's, you know, truly honest. And from a female's perspective, female perspective at that time, that isn't going to, you know, sugarcoat it. It's going to be just be real, you know. And I felt like it was important to have that because it was always coming from a one-sided type of uh, rock star brain. 
type of vibe. It's like myth making, right? Legend building. They're they're trying to build up their right. own legend. That's right. That's right. And uh, I I definitely was not down like that. I'm like, you know what? I need to go in. You know, totally honest. But that's just who I am, anyways. Like, I, there was no way I could build some story and be like, oh, I'm so this because I'm just not like that. Mm-hmm. So, um. Yeah, and I thought it I thought it was really good and she did a great job and I was really happy with it. Um and I was very it was I combed through every single chapter with such meticulousness. Like that's I didn't say it like that or I said it at this okay. time and stuff. Like I was so involved in every bit of the process. That's awesome. Uh I gotta ask, uh, of all of those previous books that had mentioned you in some, you know, unflattering way. Who was the worst offender? I was never really offended. Okay. I just, I was never offended, like... Well, who was wrong the most? I feel like they kind of all were, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they kind of all were. Um, because they were coming from it, from a perspective that you said, that was kind of like legacy building or rock star promoting and and I just remember going, that's pretty vague or that, or not being mentioned at all. Like just, and that's okay too. I never really get offended though. Sure. Yeah. Even when I get offended, I, I, I usually don't. Okay. Well, let's go back to when Dirty Rocker Boys was first released. That was 2013, if I'm not mistaken. And I yeah. wonder, do you remember... Do you remember what the initial reaction was from fans, from the press, from your peers, you know, your your social group? What was the initial, what do you remember about the immediate initial response to the book getting out there? A lot of people that I know had a lot of fear about me releasing the book because if anybody knows me, they know that I tell too much of the truth. Like I'm very forthcoming with the story. And yeah. I think that a lot of people were a little scared of, you know, thinking, Oh, what is she going to, you know, what is she going to reveal? Um, but I felt like, you know, I wasn't trying to throw anybody under a bus. I wasn't trying to ruin relationships. I wasn't trying to ruin, you know, anyone's uh, persona or mm-hmm. whatever. I was just being honest with my end of it without overtelling it too. Cause there's a lot of stuff I didn't tell <laughs> obviously, yeah. um, but I didn't want it to be like a, a slam book. It was a truth, you know, and, and it was well received, I think. Yeah. Was there, was there any negative response? Was there any backlash? Was there any, uh oh she's just trying to cash in or she's just trying to do x and y you know no there's i mean there's literally a nothing to cash in on yeah that wasn't my own story yeah my yeah so um and no i didn't get a lot of backlash i did get a little you know a little this and that like oh we may i remember athena's brother she called me and said that he called her and said he was gonna serve me with papers. I'm like, for what? Telling the truth? Like, yeah. Like, okay. Um, and that was one thing that they clarified. The the um, lawyer for Simon Schuster said, uh, as long as you're telling the truth, 
in every circumstance. And it's not hearsay. It's not, nobody can serve you with any type of paperwork and nobody ever has. And they couldn't because there was nothing I haven't, that was not true, you know? Okay. I guess the other side of the question would be, do you know, was anybody just mad? Anyone in your, maybe in your world that just was really resentful that you put truthfulness that maybe they didn't want out there? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I feel like there was like um, a couple of people that I, I mentioned in the book that wasn't happy that they were mentioned. And I totally get that. Like, I get that if somebody were to write something about me in a personal fashion, I, you know, I might be offended too. But then again, if it was the truth, what could I do? Sure. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, like I said, I tried not to, um, I try not to cross the line with too much. I'm not trying to hurt people. Yeah. And I don't, and I'm reading the book. I don't get the vibe that you're trying to, you know, tear anyone's reputation down or anything like that. I just wonder this is sort of an overall theme because, you know, 2013 isn't that long ago, but it does sort of predate, um, God, for a lack of a better uh, term, the, the hashtag Me Too era. And mm -hmm. that really shifted how we as a culture talk about particularly right. women's stories. And I just wonder if you noticed any difference from how people reacted to you telling your story unapologetically uh, you know, back in 2013 versus readers who maybe find the book now. No, I, I still get the same. Um, I'm, I'm, I never get like a negative response. Um, I never, I mean, I'll, I'll always have, you know, this hater, that hater everywhere. A hater, hater. There's, <laughs> there's always going to be one of those, but I, for, I would say 90, 98%, 98.99% of the time, it's always a positive, like, you know, a good uh, review. Yeah. And, and the book has definitely had some staying power. I mean, you're still hearing from people who are discovering it and then, you know, getting yeah. a second book and, you know, that feedback yeah. is ongoing, right? Yeah. A, a great deal of Dirty Rocker Boys is when, you know, you're in your 20s and 30s. When you think of particularly women who are at that same age, right. you know, grabbing this book now, what do you, what do you think are some of the biggest lessons that they could learn from reading your story that um moving to hollywood but like oh she's living the dream it really could be you never know um to stick with people you trust the industry is a lot more sinister than people like to you know say or That's think deep. and um God knows I shouldn't be sitting here right now, you know? <laughs> and um, I really think that for anyone to go into moving to Hollywood to, you know, live the dream, it's not something that I would say, yeah, go for it. It's, it's so easy. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not like that. I, you know, it's hard. It's a hard lesson <laughs> to live. But if anybody said, I want to send my kid out there today, I'd be like, mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like, don't let him out of your sight. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. I like that you use the word sinister because that is definitely the feeling that I got from the book. 
just about that scene and that industry sort of again and again. And, you know, it's definitely a story of survival. And I think, you know, you know, one thing that uh, newer readers could take away f- from the book, too, is that uh, they can tell their own story, you know, and they can tell it in a funny, self-deprecating way, too. I read a lot of rock and roll and music-related memoirs and biographies, and it's one of the funniest ones I've ever read, you know? Really? Yeah, because it's like I, you said earlier, you, you designed it to, like, be like you're having a conversation with somebody. That's how it felt, you know? A lot of, a lot of bios are that myth-making stuff, and honestly, that kind of gets old. Yeah, I, get, I feel that. And that's not what I wanted. I wanted it to seem like, just like I said, very conversational. Um, like I would, you could say anything to me and I would answer you like I would in a normal conversation. And for you, for you to walk away from it going like, yeah, okay. Like, I feel like I get her. She seems chill and honest and cool and forthcoming with the truth. And uh, yeah. It was an enjoyable read, and it's also, you know, kind of like a, a tale. What is it? A, um, a poster child of what not to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, so I, I, I don't really think we need to dive into all of the various stories that are in the book because you've talked about so many of these things at length, and I know you, you know, get asked a bunch of stuff, you know, again and again, but one point that's in the book that I definitely got to highlight because I think it's uh, one of the more one of the more insightful moments was the very last page of Dirty Rocker Boys. You share the story of your last encounter with Pam Anderson, who throughout the book plays sort of this like adversarial arch nemesis role, uh, even though like this is a very real story. It's not fiction. And the, the line you use is that uh, you say it's not a competition anymore and you, you, you were like done with the feud and you just were over it, right? And I only bring this up because she's back in the headlines with her new Netflix show and that's sort of inspiring a lot of conflicting emotions because people are looking at her in a different way in a positive light, like a lot of her stories kind of been taken by other people. But at the yeah. same note, the new series is a little bit of a kind of a PR thing because it skips over maybe some bad behavior on her end. So I wonder right. if, if, if you've seen it and if, if, if your thoughts and feelings about her since you published this book have changed in any way. I have seen it. Um, and I just walked away from it going, well, you know, good for her. Right? Like, good yeah. for her. And, and I also felt a little bit kind of like you, like there's some stuff that's obviously not really being touched on here. Yep. And it's not really my business to state one way or the other, but, um, you know, good for her. It, it can't be easy. You know what I mean? It can't yeah. be. Easy. And I, I don't regret how everything worked out. Um, and I'm sure that there's a lot of stuff we'll never know, which is also probably good for the spirit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I honestly just wish her well. Yeah. Oh, okay. Very cool. 
Thanks for uh, you know walking with me on some of some of those heavier topics. Now I want to ask you about some uh, uh, light, fun stuff. I wonder if you have some some fun memories of uh, uh, one of my favorite shows ever. Maybe my favorite sitcom ever is Married with Children, and you're featured in a couple of episodes. And I remember those episodes. The one when they're in the the uh, they're using the grocery store for the uh, free air conditioning. Hilarious. Please tell me anything and everything about working on that show. I, I'm here for it all. They were great. Like, they were great. And um, I was actually in a scene with Pam for a previous, before they hired me for that one. And one of his, like, dream montages. And I was one of the girls, me and Pam, and two other girls were, were like, rubbing his leg. It was brief. Well, what's on the menu? Massage. Whipped cream bath. And they called me back for, to, my name was Nibbles. Um, they called me back to be Nibbles because they really liked me uh, the first time. <laughs> uh, miss, excuse me, I think you dropped something. <laughs> Thank you, Market Dweller. I remember we, we shot that for like three days and it was a two-part series, but everyone was so darn cool. Like everyone was so cool. It was so great. I remember like rehearsing my one-liner over and over like 85 different ways. And you get to a point where you, you don't even, you're not even talking normal. You're like, hi, hello. Like so many, you know, just be normal weirdo. Right. Um, <laughs> But I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really known for being an actress. I was more of known for being a model. So to me, that was like, that was like hard work, you know? Yeah. Um, but everyone was so great on that set and couldn't have been more, you know, kind. Oh, that's good to hear. I imagine yeah. you must, you know, must have been cracking each other up, you know, all through that too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They were awesome. They were awesome. And, uh, Cool, you know, cool, like, lessons and learning, you know, coming around in that time and being on shows and doing this, doing that. Um, it was very cool. They were very cool. That's good to hear. Did you know that Katie Seagal had a music career? I did. I actually went to go see her perform. Um, one of those days when we were in makeup, she told me she was performing at this club, and I went to go see her, and she was absolutely fantastic like she had That's a voice awesome. like it's just such a soulful like um like a janice joplin-y type of like very cool yeah she was awesome that's so good to hear i saw her in concert uh actually come to think of it probably right around the time you released this book she was yeah. uh with the sons of anarchy cast but she was doing like a musical show and uh, I did an earlier episode of the podcast was just a deep dive in her music uh, career yeah. because, you know, the music there is how she got into showbiz and, and there's just a lot of good stuff that people just don't know about. Uh, how about, um, did, you, did you get a chance to, to have any conversations with uh, Christina Applegate? You and her must have had some sort of shared experiences of sort of being this, if you don't mind me saying, like a, like a sex symbol, honestly for that era and Christina Applegate you know is famous for that being on that show the audience would get out of hand when she would come on the set and I just wonder if there was there were yeah were there conversations that you ever had with her about that kind of thing 
it was a little um, standoffish for the okay. first couple times. Um, she was probably one of the last people to come, kind of warm up to me okay. at all. And I don't know if it was because it was a competitive. I, I don't know. I, I was so new to it anyways. And yeah. towards the last, I think the last episode of us filming, um, she told me the story about Sebastian Bach or something. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. And then I told her something. And I don't want to say anything because I'm really good friends with his wife right now. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so, yeah, but she mentioned some stuff, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And we had, like, some funny – yeah, so she she was kind of, like, hit up by rock people, too, because that was kind of her character on that show. Um, so she was just, like, an actress and a model that was kind of, like, hit on by rock people, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So she told me a couple of stories, and I was like, yeah, that's not surprising. <laughs> Yeah, some shared experiences there, I hear you. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Did you do a lot of, uh, like, sitcom or, or TV appearances in that run? I mean, is that your favorite when you look back on that time? I don't know. I did I did so much TV and movies back then. Um, that, uh, But it was all within that kind of, that time space, like, up to 2000, from 1990 to 2002, kind of. And then I kind of dropped off and then came on to the reality show thing yep. with ex-wives Brock. Um, but yeah, I was on a lot of TV shows actually. Like I remember I was, I played one, uh, Stacy Keach had like some detective show. I can't even think of it now, but I remember it was like my first serious role where I played like a murderer and oh. yeah. And um, I was like sassy and, shitty and ended up dying at the end like Stacey Keach ended up killing me we get into a, this this gunfight and it was like I even watch it now and the death was like the dumbest stupidest like fakest Not right. weirdest death to watch someone try to fake no, I've gotta go, yeah I'm going to my mother's she's sick it runs in the family well, I've got a cure for you. And like 30 years passed, I put it on like a month ago and I was like, oh my gosh, still so cringy <laughs> to watch. I'm like, oh yeah. I was I was so nervous about that first serious role. Because normally I did like, you know, sitcoms. Yeah, right. The death scene is just like, wow. So hard to watch. So goofy. Oh, that's funny. Okay, so I've got one more like really oddball topic, and I just wonder. I wonder. I wonder if you've ever even been asked about this. Um, on a previous podcast, I did. I had a conversation with my buddy about. Um, you know, when I grew up, I didn't have cable, and when I was um, a teenager, and I was kind of discovering music, one of the weirdest ways that like I discovered bands was I would watch late night time life infomercials and these little clips of songs would be interesting and i'd be like oh i gotta write that down and see if i can you know find a cd by that band or whatever and you know it's it's kind of silly because those are all gone now but i saw that you hosted one called big rock the 80s generation 
Yeah. Your host for Big Rock is a legendary video fixin' who started some of the hottest rock videos ever. She's the ultimate insider with a scoop on your favorite rockers. Here to take you on a musical thrill ride through the rockin' 80s, the one and only Bobby Brown. Wow, what an introduction. I feel honored just to be here rocking through a collection that is the buzz of the industry. So, one, have you ever been asked about this? Not in a really, really long time. Okay, well, I'll take it. And at the time, one or two people saw it, but it was on like, very late at night and on a yep. certain channel. But yes, I did host Rock. They flew me to Canada to do it, and it, it was awesome. Um, yeah, why do you have you have do you have that? Have a video? I I, found, I think I found the video, but I don't actually have the collection. Uh, I just wonder, like, when you're doing something like that, what is a, a, a video shoot like that? What is that like? I mean, is that an all-day thing? Is it is it fun? Does it pay well? It paid very well. Oh, good. Um, yeah, it paid very well. I was there. They flew me to Canada for two days, and it was like a full day with like a teleprompter and you know clothes changes. And I had you know I had to read this time, and uh, I remember wearing black leather pants. I think. And they wanted my hair a little darker, so they washed my hair with some weird tea. I don't know. It's weird. Oh. They didn't want me as platinum, so they wanted me to be like, yeah, it's different. Um, but they did pay for I think it was like 15000 but after my agent took whatever out of theirs. Um, but it paid well. Yeah. It was That's cool, too. To and they were nice. Canadians are awesome. They're so nice. Yes, <laughs> that is true. Uh, the, every Canadian I know has always been like the nicest person. <laughs> okay, so nowadays so you're, nice. you you do a lot of stand-up comedy. And how long have you been doing that now? About four years. About four years, okay. Um, well, I got to ask, how did you get started in that? I had originally, in my 20s, auditioned for the Groundlings. And I got oh, into... Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and with my audition, I got into the second level, and um, I was dating a guy who said that I wasn't funny, mm. so I quit. Oh. And so it was kind of like, um, I, it was like a bucket list thing, and then like four years ago, I just went, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just give it another shot. And I started to take uh, stand-up comedy classes, and after my second class, the guy was like, you're ready, and I was like, get out of here. Wow. Like, what? He's like, yeah, you're ready, and I was Oh, shit. Um, I do it, and it comes easy for me, but I don't. it's not something I love. Like, if you sat down with another comedian and they told you they're doing comedy stories, it's, I don't, it doesn't ring true for me like that. They say they did their thing, and they were like, knew that that was what they wanted to do forever, and, like, th it was their thing. Me, I've never felt that way about it. I've just been like, yeah, you know. But uh, it's something I tried and checked off the bucket list. Yeah, very cool. That's... I think that's a good way to approach it. I mean, do, do you feel like your background in, in the work in show business you did before comedy, like, gives you a level of confidence? Or, or how does how does your background help you on stage or writing jokes or whatever you do? It was really about selling tickets. Oh, <laughs> like for, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I moved up the ranks pretty quickly because people wanted to see me do comedy that knew me from other stuff. It, yeah. It wasn't... It, didn't please other comedians, but um, because I was able to sell tickets, 
I was able to like get to, you know, opening for the headliner like quickly and do headlining pretty quickly, which is not considered cool to other comedians because they they're like working it for years to get to a certain level. And uh, so I was either I was well received from comments and stuff because I sold tickets, but you know. Would I say I was the funniest comedian? No, or by, by no means. Like I either killed it or I bombed or, um, or it was just like, yeah, whatever. But I, like I said, it takes a lot to offend me or to, to make me like get super affected over things. And I was just like that with that too. I was like, yeah, all right. You sure. know, <laughs> or leave it. Yeah. Yeah. Take it in stride. You know, don't worry about like you were saying the haters. <laughs> I'll go right to my last question. I know you've been asked about this a million times, uh, but I have a certain other angle to it. Um, the most gut-wrenching allegation story to come out of your book, of course, is about what happened to Janie. Um, he was sexually assaulted. There was that video or that audio recording of him that surfaced a, a couple of years ago that seemed to confirm it. You've been very clear that you can't name who those people are, which makes a lot of sense because it didn't happen to you and because it puts you at risk. And I totally understand that and I actually think that's the, the right move. But my, my only question on this is because there are so many people who want to know, do you think there will ever be a scenario, be it someone else coming forward and saying something, maybe these guys just dying, you know, where where you'll be protected and safe and able to share that part of the story? Or do you think this is something that it's really not appropriate for you to it. talk about? It's really not appropriate for me to talk about. Also, it's hearsay for me because it's something he told me <clears throat> in private that I would really have no voice in the in the matter anyway. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, and I don't foresee, I know that there's a lot of people that know about this because they're in the industry, but um, I'll just circle it back to the entertainment industry being sinister again. Absolutely. I'll just, I'll just take it there. But um, no, do I get involved in any degree? No, absolutely not. Yeah. Because and that makes would, sense. Yeah. And I and I think it's I think the important what what might get lost in people trying to track down the names is that like the important part of the story is that you said that this is something that happened and that's important you know it's important to know because we need to be able to have these conversations so and I I know we got to wrap up so I in, in short I just want to applaud you for you know telling with no holds barred you know your truth in this book I really like this book I want to get your second book. Uh, what are best? What is the best way for fans to get your books? Um, Amazon usually, and um, like I said, the second book I never got paid for that book, so I don't oh, promote okay. that one that much. But you can, you're more than welcome to get it. Uh, yeah, they're just. I'll get a second hand. I won't go to the publisher for that one. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, Amazon is usually the way to go. Okay. I think. Well, Bobby, this has been really enjoyable talking to you. I love the book. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on, too. And I'm sorry it took me so long, but it was a pleasure.
Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember the big four things you can do to support this show that don't cost a dime. Number one, listen to the show. If you're hearing this now, that means you did this part already. Thank you. There is an infinite amount of content out there, so you choosing to spend some time listening to this show means a great deal to me. Number two, if you like what we did here, please recommend this show to family, friends, or anyone you know who's looking for a podcast, particularly about music. Share our links in Facebook groups, subreddits, and recommendation threads. Whatever you can do is highly appreciated on my end. Number three, find us on social media. Follow us on Twitter, at PlayThatPodcast. Like us on Facebook, at Facebook.com slash PlayThatPodcast. And subscribe to our YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash C slash PlayThatRockNRoll. Lots of great material, like photos and vlogs, on all three platforms. As Play That Rock and Roll is very much meant to be a content hub as well as a podcast. And finally, the big ask. Number four, please give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I know this part is a hassle, but it really does help the show a great deal. Not just because it affects the algorithm, but also because it gives me something I can point to when pitching this show to potential guests. The more social media followers and positive ratings the show has, the better chance I have for booking high-profile guests for interviews. So if you take a moment to give us even just a five-star rating, you are actively giving us a tool to do bigger and better things here. But whatever the case, I appreciate any and all efforts you take to support us here at Play That Rock and Roll. Be sure to join us next time for more great stories and music from the world of classic rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.